I could only take it so far running fast, so I got to really intrigued and see how far can I go. I know these uh, numbers are mind-boggling, but I like doing mind-boggling things. Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Trishal Churns loves to run. No, I mean, he really loves to run. So much so that he routinely embarks not only on multi-day, but multi-week races, reveling in the robust but little-known world of mega ultra-endurance events. According to his calculations, he has the longest ultra-marathoning career in Canadian history, spanning 43 years, and he doesn't have plans of stopping anytime soon. In November, he reached a milestone, completing his 300th ultra. This week, Trishul talks with us about his expansive career, offers advice for the ultra-curious, and explains the connection between spirituality and his quest for excellence. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back to the ShakeOut Podcast to our very first episode of 2022. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by the pioneer of Canadian multi-day ultra-marathoning, Mr. Trishul Churns. Welcome, Trishul. Thank you so much for joining us on the ShakeOut Podcast, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, and I want to say it's an honor privilege to be here and to uh, speak to my fellow Canadians. Yes, well, and we're especially glad to have uh, a Canadian on the show and, um, you know, someone who's joining us not from Canada. Tell us where you're joining us from today. I'm joining you from Kingston, New York, and I live most of my life in New York City. And I came here uh, for a spiritual quest. And from that spiritual quest, it became a running quest. Oh, I love that. That sets the story up really well. We'll dig into a lot of that. But I have to go back just a little bit because, Trishul, this is the first time we've seen each other in a few years. But we actually met, uh, speaking of New York City, we met in New York City about four years ago in early 2018 when I was in town for the Milrose Games, a prestigious indoor track meet. And we sort of met by happy accident uh, at, at my post-race meal with my coach, Dave Reed, uh, at a Chipotle in New York City. Um, what do you remember of, of that first encounter? Because you came over and introduced yourself. I think we were wearing our Team Canada gear. You were wearing your Team Canada gear. I was cheering for you because I knew there was a Canadian. Um, you didn't. I was cheering for you before you even knew me, and that was that you were doing the 3,000 meters. You won the race. I was so happy for that. You know, I said, that's one, chalk one up for Canada over the Americans. <laughs> and, and, and the international competition, you ran great. And, uh, afterwards, uh, I was, uh, uh, went to Chipotle's to get something to eat because it was, uh, near the, uh, venue and, uh, with the uh, girl that I was training, um, believe it or not, for the distances that you do, you know, half mile, mile, 5k a- anyway. And, uh, there you were and you were with your coach. And then you said, I asked you who your coach was. And you said, Dave Reed. And automatically being a stat man, the man that broke four minutes for the mile, you know? And then I asked you and you said, you did a sub 430 mile. And I said, oh my God, this girl can move, you know? So uh, I was in a company of greatness. So I wanted to rub it, uh, let it rub off on me. <laughs> well, and right back at you. I mean, we're kind of playing that funny Canadian game of, you know, the uh, the who can 
pump each other up more, but we're, we're here to talk about you. So I, I, I like going back to that story just by way of context. But after meeting you and, and realizing who you were and what your accomplishments were, I got to say it was uh, definitely reciprocated. <laughs> so Trishul, part of the reason that we're having you on the show today is that just over a month ago, you completed your 300th Ultra at the Squatchy Leftovers Maple Leaf 50K in New Jersey. I love that title. I like that it has the, the maple leaf in it, even though it was in the States. And I understand that this was a really big milestone and step towards one of your ultimate goals, which is to complete 500 ultra races. So maybe we can start by having you tell us about this race, this 300th ultra, what the event was like and what it was like to meet such a milestone. Well, for me, um, 500 is, I'm a very goal oriented person. So 500 ultras plus, I'm not going to stop at 500. You know, if I live long enough, I'll go get 700. But the, the, the goal is always uh, transcending. But to do the race, it was in the trails of New Jersey. It was a uh, had technical footing, but um, that doesn't bother me. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sturdy that way. And um, the, this uh, Kim Lewinsky, the race director, put it on for me in honor of my 300th. And, uh, you know, there's 300 different journeys and 300 different experiences. And so this was just one of many that, and, uh, but it was a nice round number. And I, 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 every hundred ultras, I always do celebrate. Well, I can imagine it. There's not very many people in the world that can say that every hundred ultras I celebrate. That's <laughs> pretty remarkable and, and many more to come. So you talked a little bit already about, about the numbers. You sort of alluded to that. And one thing that I've learned about you is that you are a meticulous record keeper of the numbers. So I'm curious, I, I know that you have a, a big binder somewhere where you kind of document every uh, mile or kilometer you run, every race you run, um, your total number of, of kilometers and miles run within ultra races. Tell us about this. Why do you do this? And why? when did you start doing it? Why is it so important for you? Well, it's a barometer of, of uh, my pursuit of excellence. So I've always wanted to pursue excellence and uh, see what the standard is and try to always rise above the standard. So that's where the numbers come in. And there, my mind and brain is wired that way. You know, some people are are that way and others are not. And I was a statistician for Ultra Running Magazine for 25 years. And, uh, the, you know, I, I look what the local uh, standard is or the national standard or what the uh, world-class standard is. And I always strive for the world-class standard. And I was able to do that in the multi-day races. And um, I just love the numbers, you know. Um, you know, there's something thrilling to say you, you reached a certain standard and the numbers represent a standard to me. So what are some of those numbers? Because I know that they're sort of staggering. We've talked a little bit off the recording about what some of these numbers are. Maybe you can take us through some of what you consider to be your, your most prolific accomplishments by the, by the numbers. Well, you know, I asked many years ago what the world-class standard in multi-days, for example, the six-day race. And uh, a friend said 500 miles. So I said, I'm going to do better than that. And then I also uh, asked another friend and he said, uh, do, do, if you can do 850K for six days, then you've reached the level of where the world's best are. And I reached 866K, 854K for that. Then I said, what's the next step? And that was the 1,000-mile race. And I said, you know, I think I could do that under two weeks. Or uh, an, another standard was, can I run over 3,000K um, for a month? You know, and that's where the 3,100-mile race was. So to me, it's just... 
Um, how much can I get out of my body and um, without killing myself? You know, what, how can I squeeze out every last inch of good um, energy and put it towards that high standard? Well, and you have high standards for yourself, not only on the trails and your running, but you, as you mentioned, you you know, you're meticulous about the numbers and you were a statistician. And in fact, I understand that you've started your own organization within the uh, international um, multi-day running community. Can you tell us about GOMU? Yeah, GOMU is the Global Organization of Multi-Day Ultra Marathoners. And it was created because there was a void in the multi-day community of uh, having a a world body. And um, the IAU, which looks after the 50K and the 100K and the 24-hour races, they just didn't have uh, enough manpower um, to keep track of that. And so I saw the void and I said, it's time to do something. And I got some of the world's best to come together, statisticians and you know, runners, and uh, we're going to have our own uh, uh, world body, and I'm the president of it, and I'm proud to be the president of it, and I'm also the founder, and I got people like Janusz Kuros, who's the greatest of all time. He's a vice president, and actually another uh, Hungarian-Canadian woman named Victoria Brown, and uh, she's part of that, and, uh, you know, we're going to be keeping track of all the records, and if you want to look us up, it's on, there's a website for it, and it has every... um, um, 100 kilometers and every uh, mile, um, every 100 miles from uh, basically from 300K all the way up to 5,000K. Well, that's awesome. And I'm glad that you mentioned Victoria Brown because, of course, she's, if, if, uh, listeners are are regulars of our show, they will be very familiar with that name. In fact, just in our last episode, our year-end roundup, we talked quite a bit about Victoria and the numerous Canadian records she's set over the last year as well. So she's one to watch on the trails and and the ultra marathons, and I'm glad she's contributing to your organization and that you have another outlet for your (laughs) obsession with numbers, not only for yourself, but others in the sport. So um, speaking of numbers, we have to talk about your records because I had to I had to kind of wrap my head around this, but you currently hold 115 Canadian ultra records. So how is that possible? Tell us about what these records encompass. Okay, so these records are standard, such as 5,000K, 4,000K, 3,000K, two-day, six-day, 10-day. These are the standard Canadian records, but there's also non-standard records, which would be, you know, 900 miles, 800 miles, 1,200 miles, or... um, 4,500 kilometers. So as I said, every 100 kilometers, a record, there is a record, there's a, a mark so that we keep track of these records. So that's where it comes from. You know, so I think there's like 15 Canadian national standard records, but there's a uh, 100 non-standard records. And I hold them uh, uh, um, all the way from basically two days all the way up to uh, 50 days. And uh, some of my records have been broken, but it took 25, 30 years for these people to do it. So I not only pioneered these records, but I put it on a very high standard. And that's, you know, I want the bar set high so other Canadians can raise it even higher and put it uh, on a level where other countries are going to look at it and say, bravo or bravi or brava, you know, uh, to them. So um um, Canadian records I'm proud of, um, but I'm also proud of not just that, but the journey that went into it and the training. And it's all about that too. 
Well, and we should also mention for context, you have had 43 years of this work as well. And I, not to diminish any of your accomplishments, but I think, you know, part of the reality is it would take a long time to amass a record list of this magnitude. Um, and, and the fact that you've been working at it since 1978 is, is a real testament to what you've done. But I, I want to talk for a minute there about uh, what you just said about the journey. I think that's a really important point. You've had such a stellar career. These records more than speak to that. But you also have said that you really emphasize finishing over winning. So tell us more about that. Why is the journey so important? And what are the some of the main um, what what are some of the really important things that you've you've gleaned from this journey over the years? Well, certainly, there's a, the whole idea why I took up all these long races was the spiritual aspect of it. The longer you go, the more spiritual. It is. Um, so if you're you're doing a two mile race, it's pretty um, mechanical. You put in the training, you do your homework, you pass the test. And if you do a lot of homework, you're going to get a very good standard. Uh, and and there is a spiritual aspect to that. But the longer you go, you have to rely more on your own inner uh, uh, being. And uh, the longer I went, the ha- happier I was. Uh, inside myself. So um, to me, it's about the spiritual journey. It's like, I'll put in my 100 mile weeks every week um, when I was in my prime, but it wasn't just about that. Then I entered the race and let's say it was a thousand mile race. And after a hundred miles, you say, oh my gosh, I got 900 miles to go. And then I don't even care about the numbers anymore. I said, okay, you know, We'll take it each day as it comes, and uh, let's see what the day brings you, myself. And what it really taught me is how to be in the moment. And if you, um, so many of us want to be in the past or in the future, but have trouble being in the mo- moment. And these these great distances teach me how to be in the moment. And it also teaches me to be in my heart center, where I feel is where the uh, um, my my happiness really resides and and um you know i find such joy um just doing these races you know the longer the race the, the happier i get it's a beautiful sentiment i i and i i'm you know i i'm right there with you in a sense but on the other hand i mean just again for context for our listeners some of these races are extraordinary distances. So, you know, the one that comes to mind was in 1999, when I believe for the first time you did the world's longest certified road race, which is the Sri Chinmoy Self-Transcendence 3100 mile race. Um, When you say that it really keeps you in the moment, it's hard for me to imagine. I mean, so many of us have a hard time being in the moment just literally moment to moment in our daily lives. How do you find it within yourself or how do you get yourself in a headspace to be in the moment over multiple days, multiple weeks, 3,100 miles uh, as a single endeavor? So what I do is take it day by day and I I take my morning session and I do that. And then once it's done the morning, I put it behind me. It's gone. Then I'm in the afternoon session and then once that's done, it's gone. And then the evening session. And then once I finish the day, then I'm in my, it was in the car to get into my house. 
and somebody was driving me, of course, and uh, all I could do was just eat the food and just enjoy the food. So it was a lot of times I listen to music and I get lost in the music and that helps me get into the into the moment. So uh, I love listening to South African music or uh, I love listening to Brazilian music and just I get into the energy of the uh, of the music and then I just get lost in it. And um, to me, these long races are like meditations, moving meditations. Um, I first started out as uh, just a, a meditation, still stillness in meditation. Then I said, uh, you know, it wasn't enough for me just to be so still because I'm not a still person. So I had to move, you know, I can only stay still for so long. You know, all these great uh, people can sit sit for an hour, for hours in one spot. I just can't sit in, in one spot for one hour. I don't, I don't know too many people. So I try to make these uh, long runs into um, uh, moving meditations and I find it works for me. And it's a way to uh, expand my uh, consciousness, to raise my consciousness. I really feel um, after each day, I felt in a more elevated um, a place for myself. And uh, everything is energy to me. So um, I felt that my energy didn't wane, it, it increased. Um, so um, I guess I'm a, a glutton for energy. <laughs> That's a very nice way of putting it. Some people would say a glutton for punishment, but I like that you flipped that script, a, a glutton for energy. So again, to contextualize this, I mean, you talked about how every day you gain a little bit more energy. These races, you have a lot of days to do that. How many days did it take you to complete, for instance, a 3,100 mile race? It took me 50 days. So basically I averaged 99K a day. And, um, you know, um, it didn't happen overnight. So I started off as a marathoner and, uh, you know, I did shorter races. I wasn't very fast, uh, maybe 17 minutes for 5K and uh, uh, half marathon, I think I ran in 1979 or 119. And they're good times, but they're nothing special. They really aren't. You know that. <laughs> for, for me, you know, I just, my friends were running, you know, 113, 109s, and I'm, I'm running 119. So I was a slowpoke. So I could only take it so far running fast. So I got a really intrigued and see, you know, how far can I go? So my first goal was to run, can I run 100 miles in a day? You know, and uh, I was able to do it, which is 161K. And uh, then the next step, can I run 200K in a day? And then after I did that, then uh, I wanted to see, okay, can I do uh, 100 miles a day for two days? And then I ended up doing my best with 221 or uh, 355K. So I was always intrigued on how far I could go. Um, uh, I know these uh, numbers are mind-boggling, but uh, I like doing mind-boggling things. Well, evidently. I mean, part of it is that it really is just hard to imagine that there's even enough hours in the day for someone to do something like 200 kilometers a day. You know, there's even as an elite distance runner myself, I'm working up to 100 miles a week. And the fact that you're running 100 miles a day, day after day, just I mean, it's it is somewhat unfathomable. And to add on top of that, I just have to come back to a couple of these events because Many of them are done in a really, really small radius, anywhere from one city block run over and over and over again in the case of the Sri Chinmoy, which takes place in Queens, New York, all the way down to, you know, multi-day races on a 400 meter track. Um, I, I'm going to use the word monotonous because that's what it sounds like to me. But what is it about running such great distances in such a small space that holds appeal for you? 
They peel as my gear is there. So um, I, what I do is I listen to music or I get in a meditative state and it doesn't become monotonous. And there's always something happening. I'm watching, I call myself the great running spectator participating. So I'm watching the world's best do this because I've gone against the world's best. And I watch how they do it and I'm watching all their strategies and it's all exciting to me. And it, you know, it's done watching one guy, uh, you know, have an, an up and another guy having a low and observing how they handle that. And for me, I love these uh, races that are on, uh, like the World Championships was on a 200 meter track for six days. And I, you know, I covered 866K. So um, I guess I just have the uh, ability to, to uh, find uh, uh, it not monotonous. You know, I have no problems mentally or emotionally or spiritually with these races. If anything, believe it or not, it'd be a little bit physical, but uh, um, I found ways to. Um, and not make it a, such a physical effort uh, or distress myself. And uh, one way would be I, I'm a, been a vegan for a long time, and I find that type of uh, diet really works for me. And I have certain supplements I take, and like B vitamins are good for the adrenals. So I make sure my endocrine system is always um, up to snuff so I can handle these distances and the stress load. And then uh, uh, I also have, uh, you know, the meditation just keeps me in a place where, uh, you know, I kind of go within myself and so I can just handle this. And, uh, but the, the key for me is I love listening to music. So I'll put up my headphones on and get lost in the music. And, uh, um, I just remember even one time, um, the, the Super Bowl was happening and it was in Las Vegas and it was a shoe show. I was sponsored by Power Step, uh, at the time Power Step, uh, insoles. But what was fun is everybody went down to bet on the Super Bowl. I went up, said, you know, I think I'll do a treadmill marathon. So I watched the whole Super Bowl. I remember Tom Brady was won his first Super Bowl. And, and, and you know, I was watching Philadelphia, and I, I was rooting for both teams because I just wanted to see a good game like most of us. And I, I spent the whole time watching the Super Bowl on a, on a treadmill. So I don't mind uh, uh, going these sh uh, short distances or being on a treadmill. And also, the main thing is I can get to the uh, food, uh, every lap or, um, you know, because you need nutritional help. And that's how, and my gear. So let's say it's raining. You know, I'm not stuck uh, like on the trails, uh, you waiting for 10K to get to the, my my clothes or or get get some help. Uh, you know, here it's all there. So it's all self-contained. Therefore, I can um, just get it quickly so I can do a good performance and not have to worry about getting too cold or or too hot. Yeah, so there's some real practical elements to that. So I want to talk about that and maybe some advice you have for folks who are looking to take this up as a new endeavor. But um, as a track runner myself, uh, you know, part of the ailments that we get as track runners is that we're running pretty fast, always counterclockwise, right? So that the the joke in in track running is how do you succeed? Run fast and turn left. Now we turn left for a you know comparatively very short period of time. When you're doing these circular or, um, you know, loop courses, are you ever changing directions? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, especially on a 200 meter track, I know what that feels like doing laps and laps and laps, not to the amount you're doing, but how, I mean, what kind of toll does that take? Do you switch directions? How do you, how do you kind of, how does your body manage 
that circular motion for that long. So they usually change the direction every four hours. So every four hours, they absolutely, otherwise your hips are going to start going out of whack. Um, also, I have at my very best race, I've had a chiropractor there. So if my hips are starting to go out of whack, I just stop. He adjusts me very quickly and I'm balanced again. So I always have a, a um, through through all my experience, I have an answer for any issue that I have. So I, I never run into too many issues because I've done the scientific uh, research to, to get the optimum out of my performance. Um, but the, uh, basically, they switch the direction every four, six hours. And it's fun. We turn around and, um, you know, it's... It's, it's a whole new world. It's a whole new world. It's amazing, you know. <laughs> you know, but, but you know, I spent a lot of time on the tracks too, like you. And and uh, I love tracks. I love roads. I find trails a lot harder um, because of the um, the technical footing that's involved. Roots, rocks, especially in the Northeast here in the United States, and uh, you know the elevation gain. And so my hats off. Uh, go out to those trail, those tough trail runners, the Rob Carrars from Canada, and the, even the Dave Proctors. Uh, um, he's a he's an excellent trail runner, and um, my hats off go to these very strong guys. So I admire their capacities of you know um, negotiating the technical footing, and uh, I just like to you know keep going for a long period of time because I just I just enjoy the whole experience. Um, even if it's in not a great experience, I try to turn it into a positive experience, you know, so I get over the hurdle. If there's a hurdle on the track, I try to get over it and be happy I got over it. Well, and again, that's what's so interesting to me is I've I've had some really great trail runners on the show and they've talked about I guess sort of what you're saying in that there is always um something positive, but also a challenge to whatever you're doing. If it's a long race, there's going to be sort of those ups and downs. And for a lot of the trail runners I talk to, part of what makes that elevation and the, the technical aspect of it more manageable is that they're sort of lost in nature and the, the the terrain is always changing and the landscape is always changing. So that keeps it really interesting for them. Whereas it sounds like from what you're saying, in your case, the terrain is much easier. And yet I would probably think for those folks who enjoy the trails, again, I'm going to use the word monotony, the monotony of doing one city block or one track over and over again might be a hurdle to them. It's just interesting to hear the different approaches for different people. Um, I have a, a few questions for you that I, again, are sort of practical questions and maybe we'll do them sort of rapid fire style. My first is in a 50 day, 3,100 mile race, approximately how many pairs of shoes would you go through? 15. 15 pairs. That's right, 15, and uh, uh, because of the concrete surface, they wore out faster than the shoes I thought. You know, on the roads, uh, if you're running always on sidewalks, then uh, they're gonna wear out much faster than on the roads. So I went through 15 pairs, and the three times I did the 3,100 mile race, and the one time I did a 2,700 mile race, um, it seemed to go between, you know, 15, uh, the 2700, I think were 12. So they last a couple hundred miles and they just wear out. So um, I, I made sure that I had enough shoes there. And I also cut out the toe boxes because your feet swell and then your toes start rubbing against the uh, toe boxes. So, um, you know, we would cut out the toe boxes. So uh, if our feet swell, no blisters, you know, that's... So you don't have ends to your to your feet, to your shoes? Um, basically not. You have the, the sole, but then you cut out the toe box. And not a lot of it, but you know, your feet swell, you're going to start to rub. And when you, you, you rub long enough, you get blisters. And blisters are not fun. 
you know, it's, uh, I, tr- I try to avoid those <laughs> like, like the plague. Okay. Um, you said you're a vegan. Uh, do, I'm not sure if you know the numbers of this. Approximately how many calories would you be consuming on a day, daily average over a race like that? 10,000, I think. So at the time I was, um, I would eat, I, uh, you know, I try, I actually, when I did the, actually the 3,100 mile race, I became just a vegetarian. So I did take eggs into my diet. No, it's like, I, I was practical about that. You know, um, yes, fruits and vegetables will take you far, but eggs are a whole food. And it, it also helps with the endocrine system, the adrenal glands. Also, I did take dairy, yogurt. That was, um, I remember these were hot days. We're talking about the summertime. And when I did that uh, 1999 race, it's not just the distance. That was the easy part. It was the concrete surface I had to deal with. And, but the, you know, and also it was very hot. Uh, that was the second hot, hottest summer in New York City history. And so 90 degrees every day for days on end. So what I consumed was yogurt uh, and I put whipping cream in it so I could get the calories, you know. So, um, and the craziest thing, I got my calories in, I gained two pounds from when I started the race. So I started like maybe at 100 and uh, 45 pounds, it ended up being like 147. <laughs> it's, it was a crazy thing, but I, I got all the calories I needed and I, I didn't worry about, I just kind of ate every maybe two miles, a, a bite of food here and a bite of food there. So I could maintain the, from the food energy. I didn't sit down and have a meal. Uh, you know, one uh, mile I drank water, the next mile I drank, I ate food. So that's what I did as far as fueling goes. Um, in these races. And to me, when you do these races, it's no longer food. It is called fuel. So you want to put in uh, the right type of fuel in your body. So, you know, if you get a racing car, you put the right fuel in it, it's going to go far, you know? And so I had a, I'm the same way, you know, I'm like a, uh, well, I'm not sure a racing car, maybe, or a race thoroughbred, maybe I'm more of a plow horse, (laughs) but, but the plow horse still needs energy. Yeah. You're, you're the thoroughbred, you know, but I'm a plow horse. So, uh, You know, many ways to get the job done, <laughs> but we both got our jobs done. That's it. There you go. <laughs> you got that sub four thirty mile, and I got that uh, uh, fifty day thirty one hundred mile race. And your your coach got that sub four minute mile. I'm really a, a big fan of that. So funny to think that we're technically in the same sport, eh? <laughs> Given how different our events are. Um, okay, so what did sleeping look like? How often did you sleep, and for how long? Okay, so. Um, uh, let's say if I did the 3,100 mile race, I averaged four and a half hours of sleep a night. So we started six in the morning, went 12 to about 12 midnight. So you'll go home, shower, because I didn't live far from the, the race site. And, um, you know, it, you know, I just forced myself to sleep and basically you just fall asleep. Then my wife got me up, you know, four hours later and, you know, time to go back to the race. And every morning I said, you can quit. Do you want to go back and do it? I said, absolutely. I had no doubts. I looked forward to each and every day. And uh, while I went to the race, I kind of did a, a little meditation so it would uh, um, put me in the right state of mind. And that's what I find meditation does for me. just puts me in a good state of being. And uh, But as far as the 3100 goes, it was four and a half hours of sleep. Now, when I do a 24-hour race and cover like 200K, there's no sleep at all. When you snooze, you lose. You really do. You know, or uh, a 48-hour race, I probably slept about an hour. You know, I'd do 24 hours, um, take an hour off, 
and then it's hard. I have to get up and there's a little bit of rigor mortis there. And, but I don't care. You know, I just say, you know, I'm here to perform. Um, and so perform I do. So I know that you say that running is an extension of meditation or it is meditation for you, but given what you've just said about how little sleep you get, I'm wondering if that ever crossed over into um, perhaps hallucination. We hear that from lots of ultra runners or, you know, ultra endurance runners. So what's that like? Tell me uh, about uh, that. It's wonderful. You know, it's like, L, you know, they call LSD, right? You heard the drug LSD. Well, our LSD is long, slow distance. There, there we go. So um, what is it like, uh, hallucinations? I enjoyed them. I had some great uh, hallucinations. And I'll tell you a funny story. I did a race recently. I think it was a 30-hour race. And after 29 hours, usually you can stick a fork in me because um, I need some sleep. And so at the end, you know, I wanted to finish the 30 hours. And, you know, it started to hallucinate. And everything was golden. And I swear I thought I saw my wife out there. Uh, and I knew in the hallucination she wasn't there. Um, so, you know, it just kind of passed and I enjoy, I enjoy hallucinations. So I welcome them. It's not a big deal for me. Um, and uh, so I told this woman um, about the hallucination. And this is, gets it even better. And so, and she said, wow, you hallucinated about your wife. What a beautiful thing. You know, some people hallucinate not such nice things, monsters. And you're hallucinating your wife. I like you. So after the race, you know, she said, this man, she said, to, you know, she finished the race. I finished the race. So she goes up to her husband and she said, he hallucinated about his wife. You didn't halluc ever hallucinate about, about me when you do these races, but I've hallucinated about my wife. And she's, you know, she's a wonderful person. And I'm glad to hallucinate. That, that makes me happy to hallucinate about my wife. Oh, that's a lovely story. I'm sure she's glad to hear that too. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about, you said you used to run 100 mile weeks as preparation. I know that you've also said that you do so many of these races in the year that in some ways you're just always in training for them and that you built up over time in terms of the distance and the, the uh, duration. We've talked about what it takes to sort of get through these events. How the heck do you recover from something like this? I mean, you've done a lot of the preemptive work, cutting out the toe box of your shoes so that you're not ending up with, you know, bloody toes. But again, I can't imagine the beating that your body takes as a result of this. What are some of your top recovery tips after these long races? Drink a lot of water. Now, in my case, I can do these because I, I'm very, I, my gift is not the, the natural speed like you have. My gift is I recover fast. And so I could do a, a, a hundred mile race and two days later do another hundred mile race. Um, you know, it's just, I can just do it. And it, 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 it's, that's one of the, ta that's the gift, one of God's gifts for me is fast, fast recovery. I can just recover. And, um, I'm not that sore after the race. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, I haven't really done anything. Um, maybe that's why it makes me so hungry. I feel like, uh, hungry for these distances because, you know, I feel I haven't done en enough, but, uh, some recovery tips and, th and these are important ones that I will say, I say to everyone, make sure you drink a lot of water after the race. Make sure you take electrolytes that metabolize the water after the race. And another thing is an old fashioned remedy is, uh, Go into the bathtub uh, and put Epsom salts, the whole carton of Epsom salts. Don't put a teaspoon or, or, or two to, um, put the whole carton in and put a whole bottle of apple cider vinegar. And you're going to say, why that? Well, and, and make sure it's a hot bath because what the hot water does is it opens up the pores. With the magnesium sulfate, which is Epsom salts, it draws out 
all the metabolic wastes that are in your body. And then um, the apple cider vinegar makes the pH of the water perfect. So um, I, that, that's another thing I would say. And, um, you know, rest, you know, I mean, after a race, you know, I sleep, I, you know, I take it easy, you know, I, um, when, but for me, I, I do have fast recovery. And, um, as I said, I'm not having blind, I'm more of a plow horse than a thoroughbred, but you know, the, the plow horse can come out day after day after day and do it. So, um, you know, it's just a different type of horse. And, uh, another recovery thing you can do is get a massage. I'm a massage therapist and it speeds up your recovery about three times as fast. And, uh, if you feel like you you've been uh, really whacked from from any any marathon or something, go see a chiropractor and he'll align you. So there's a uh, go to the uh, you know the healers that can heal you. You know it's it's uh, uh, don't be shy about it. Whatever gets you through the night, as John Lennon said, it's all right. <laughs> Great reference. I love that. <laughs> um, you've mentioned spirituality quite a bit in this conversation. Perhaps you can take us back and, and tell us about this connection between running and your spirituality and what the spiritual journey and evolution has looked like for you um, throughout this epic 43-year running career. Well, meditation is very important to me. Um, it gives me um, something. When you do these great long distances, you better have something to hang on to. You know, you don't need it so much doing a mile race, but when you're doing a thousand mile race, you certainly do. And when you're tired, you know, sometimes I'll just go into a meditative space and uh, it takes away any discomfort. It just, it's a way for me to, to uh, um, be in the moment, but not in the moment. Meaning that, you know, I'm there, but I can remove myself from any discomfort that I do feel at that moment. So it's, it's a great place to be. It's a happy place to be. Um, but for me, I started when I was 18 years old. I was always interested in, in spirituality and, uh, I was always interested in kind of, uh, um, you know, finding peace. And uh, I was, was interested in finding peace within myself and happiness within myself. And so my cousin told me about a meditation center, which was the Sri Chinmoy Center. And I went there and uh, um, the lady there was so nice and she taught me how to meditate. And I said, oh, wow, I, I really found happiness there. I, as a teenager, I can't say I was 100% happy, but I knew doing this made me happy. So I kind of strived towards uh finding my happy place. And that's where I found meditation. I just lo love the silence of it. And, uh, you know, the non-thinking part of it, you don't think you just, you be. So to me, um, I was interested in being, and then after being for a while, I wanted to do, and that's where the running came in. And running was an extension of my uh, spiritual journey, you know, always has been, always will be. And I know that uh, Sri Chinmoy himself was was a big part of the beginning of this. Can you tell us who he was and, and his impact on you as a person and a runner? Okay, Sri Chinmoy was a great inspiration to me. Um, you know, he was my meditation teacher and he had a spiritual philosophy that I found very uh, wired to who I was. You know, I just loved what he had to say and about the philosophy of uh, of of self-transcendence and self-expansion, especially self-expansion. And um, Sri Chinmoy always uh, 
I had a close connection with him um, when he was alive, and he always directed me in the right place. You know, you know. I said, "Oh, well, we call them guru because a guru means a teacher in India." And that, um, so I said, "Guru, you know, I have this certain doubt about this type of thing." And so he would give me a technique to try this, and I tried it, and uh, um, it worked. So um, you know, it was. It seemed to he say all the right things at the right time for me. And, um, you know, he was a great uh, spiritual master for me. And, and I, I enjoyed what he had to offer, you know, and I still do. You know, he's got a special place in my heart. You always love the, the people that helped you. And uh, so he really helped me and uh, pointed me in the direction I needed to go. You know, it's it all good stuff. You know, it's not for everyone, but it was it was the right stuff for me. And again, from what I understand, he really uh, brought the, the the movement piece into the spirituality himself. I mean, he was a runner and, and he organized races and he, I believe, also, you know, did these long multi-day races himself. And of course, the Sri Chinmoy races live on, um, you know, to this day. And I would imagine that they've also been impacted by COVID-19. Can you tell us what the uh, the impact of the pandemic has been on your racing plans and goals? Well, it shortens the races, of course. Um, but that's okay, you know. I, 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 you know, there's actually people did a lot of virtual stuff anyway. Um, so I created my own virtual stuff for myself. You know, I go out and uh, I remember. You know, so okay, I'll go for a long hike, and so, but a long hike to me is like twelve hours. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't go for a one hour hike. I went. I said, okay, I think I'll hike the Wallkill Valley Rail Trail, but that that was like twenty two miles, you know. <laughs> and I, you know, it was like. Uh, you know, I just, I, 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 with the COVID thing, I, I took advantage of it, you know. Uh, I just, you know, I self-isolated, but I didn't mind, you know, self-isolating. I'm here in the uh, Catskill Mountains, so it's a gr great place to uh, isolate and, you know, go on and uh, go up through these trails and, and listen to the owls and listen to uh, all the different birds. And um, so COVID, the only, uh, you know, instead of doing... Uh, 15 ultras a year or, or 16 ultras a year, that year I only did six. But, you know, I'll make, I, I made it up this year. I think uh, this year I got up, up to 20. So if you add them both together, it puts my average the same. And, you know, <laughs> I, I'm going to get to my goal, um, hell or high water, you know? Oh, I don't doubt it. <laughs> and and what, one of my goals definitely is to have the longest running career in history as far as ultra marathoning goes. I started when I was 21. I want to do this till I'm 91. Then when if I reach 91, I'll, th I'll think about if I want to stop. But I have 70 years, you know, and, uh, you know, I really want to do that. And if I can make it to 100, I'll do a 100-mile race. And uh, just don't put a time limit on it, you know. If I have to walk the whole thing, no problem. But, you know, 100 miles is 100 miles, so... Uh, <laughs> That's incredible. Trishel, I would love to help you celebrate your 100th birthday with a 100 miler. This is my impetus to start training so that maybe I can be out there with you to do it. Oh, I want you. Okay, here's our deal. You know, if if I reach 100, you're what, 30 years younger than me? So you'll only be 70. You, you'll be a youngster still. So maybe we can do it together. That's You've got it. We're on. My training starts today because I'm going to need all of those years ahead of me to get prepared for this. But again, you know, this is perfect because on this note, so many folks, uh, as we've mentioned with the pandemic, have taken up new goals. Uh, many of them, solo efforts, longer efforts, people are trying new things. They're hitting the trails for the first time because it's a safer way to get outside. They're 
um, you know, with more time on our hands and people really wanting to take advantage of fresh air, they might be spending more time running, trying to run farther than they ever have. For those listening who are considering taking on these new challenges, what advice do you have for them? Because again, they might look at someone like you, and I know that you explained that you started with shorter races, but um, they might see this as quite daunting to get to where you've gotten to. But for anyone who's taking on a new and longer or trail or ultra-based goal, what would you say to them? Well, I would say, first of all, um, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first uh, step. So just just do it. Just go out there. Um, approach it like a child with, uh, you know, how children are just, uh, they have, be mindless. They're just, they just want to play. So just go out there and play, you know, and uh, there's nothing to be afraid of, you know, and just enjoy. You don't have to do a race. Just go out and just see if you, how far you can go. You know, my, my philosophy is just do it. Don't, don't think about it. Just do it and um, be happy doing it, you know, and just uh, it's a chance to be with yourself, you know, instead of your family and your, um, it's a chance to be with yourself, you know, a lot of times we're, we're always with others. Well, maybe make a little me time and say, it's time to be with myself, you know, and a chance to um, um, see how far you can go and see, enjoy the experience. I said it's about the journey. Great pieces of advice. And lastly, again, you talked about how many of your racing goals had to be uh, diminished or put on hold, especially in the first year of the pandemic. You said you sort of made up for it this year. But as we move into this new year of 2022, what goals do you have on the calendar and what's coming up next for you? Okay, so the next next month, there's a 50K in New Jersey, and then the following, you know, so I take it race by race. So um, the long term goal uh, is for me, I told you to get to um, long, long term goal would be to get to uh, uh, 91 years old and, and do this for 70 years. You know, try to maybe do well over 500 ultra marathon completions, over 100,000 ultra marathon racing kilometers. But the the main thing for me is to get to the next race and enjoy it. And so to mm-hmm. to, to me, go to that New Jersey race and enjoy that experience and then go on to the next one, and enjoy the experience. So I think I have 19 uh, scheduled races, you know, whether it's a 100-mile race in the on Long Island or it could be a 30-mile uh, a 30-hour race in Connecticut and uh, to you know a lot of them are in the trails because that's where they are right now and and just um, enjoy the people that are there so my my goal is ultimately to be happy in each and every race you know and that's find happiness and be uh, uh, and, and to complete the, uh, the adventure. So I, I used to run to compete on some level and I did fairly well. And, um, whether it was third at the world championships with 866 K for six days or winning a seven day race or six day race or five day race. Now I run to complete and, uh, you know, I'm really happy just to complete and, you know, it never gets tiring for me. It just does not get tiring. You know, there's such joy and satisfaction when you're out there eight, nine hours and they say, wow, I'm done. Yay. Okay. And then two days later, I said, let's do it again. <laughs> well, your energy is infectious uh, for myself and I know for our listeners. Uh, Trisha, we wish you the very best of luck with those lovely goals moving through this year and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us today on the ShakeOut Podcast. Okay. Well, all, to all the listeners, just do it. Be happy and peace and love to all of you. 
Thanks to Trishel for joining us this week. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in to our first episode of 2022. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Shakeout Podcast. You can subscribe to our show anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review. Thanks for listening this week. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll chat again soon.